guys. Have a seat. Hey, so good to see you. Glad you're here. This is so fun to be able to do this, Tennyson. I've known Tennyson for a couple years, and uh, man, this just feels like home right here, I tell you. God is good, isn't he? So glad you're here. If you've got a Bible or device, grab that. We're going to be using that today. I grew up with uh, television that we had to have an antenna for on top of our box. I realize I'm dating myself slightly. I'm a man of a certain age now. I remember having to get up to change channels. This sounds very cliche, but this was my life. Me and my brothers, we, we kind of lived out on a farm, so we were a little out a ways. We didn't, we didn't have cable at that point. I think there was cable available. You remember the cable things they used to have? You know, these NASA satellite uh, dishes. You know what I'm talking about? Who had one? It's still there, right? Still there. <laughs> Collecting mold. <laughs> but I remember as a kid, I, I was a little bit mischievous. I know that's shocking to many of you. But uh, I was mischievous. I would do things I shouldn't do sometimes. And when uh, my parents would go to sleep, they'd go, and they're, they're in the room, so I'll be careful. I think they're here. Uh, when they would go to sleep, we would uh, sometimes stay up. And uh, there was certain programming that would happen later at night. And there was one particular show, I think it was a British television show, called Benny Hill Show. <laughs> You're laughing, I don't understand. Uh, if you've never heard of that show, it's fine. I don't know how long it was on TV, but it would come up late at night. And why do you think that would be late at night? Because there was sometimes some inappropriate stuff on the Benny Hill Show. And I remember kind of sneaking time to watch this show. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that. There, there's a lot of things I remember from that, that period of my life. I, I remember Walter Cron Cronkite. I remember, you know, the late show with David Letterman. I remember Johnny Carson. You know, these, these, these shows that would, you know, be on, you know, at night. But one thing that I will never forget is what would happen as the night progressed close to midnight you would see this on your screen. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Who knows what I'm talking about, okay? Young people in the room, just hang on a second. So now, depending on where you were in the country, this might be a flag that would have been doing this, might have been black and white. You might have heard some patriotic music behind it. So depending on where in the country you're from, you might have had that late at night. But around close to midnight, this would come on the screen, and then... Right at midnight, it would turn to white stack. It would be off. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. It's exactly what it sounded like. It would end. Like, television is done. Go to sleep. There's not much good going to happen after midnight anyway. Just go to sleep. That was kind of the subtle message there. But TV broadcast ended at midnight. And you know, the strange thing is I say it, it seems so foreign now. Because nothing shuts off anymore. Right? There's just, just never ending. I mean, think about how many, how, many, how many people have multiple streaming accounts, streaming media, Netflix, Amazon, Disney, come on. You know, some of these things will just keep going. Like if you're watching a show, you don't even, it doesn't stop. It just goes to the next episode and the next episode. And this is our life now. There's you know, literally no stopping of anything. 
And that's just one area of life. That's like media. But you think about your know, social media. Then you have your devices going all the time. There's the, 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 the news chatter. I mean, we know things that are happening across the world, right? We know things that, are hap- that, that didn't happen back in the day. I mean, you got that maybe a few weeks later in the paper. It wasn't like this constant feed of news. And I know when cable came, I had friends that had cable. Then it was on all the time. And there was more mischief to get into. But I will not cover that right now. But these things just didn't, it didn't end. And we're just distracted. You know, you think about this, not just in in media, but sports used to have a break. And there's no breaks anymore. You know, shopping. Shopping used to have breaks. But now, as soon as, like, Halloween is over, November 1st, it's full-on Christmas stuff. You know what I'm saying? I think I was in a store before Halloween, and I saw Christmas stuff. Anybody catch a witness? Did somebody see that? Okay, it wasn't just me. I remember being, like, morally offended. And then I'm like, why am I morally offended? I don't know. But, you know, shopping doesn't end either. There's no breaks in it. I mean, there's chocolate bunnies as soon as Christmas is over. You know, and I don't even really understand the connection between chocolate bunnies and Easter, but there they are for your purchasing pleasure. There are no breaks anymore. And we've talked about this. Things are kind of nonstop to where we're, we now have developed this new syndrome. Thank you, culture. We have this new syndrome called fear of missing out. What is it called? FOMO. It's becoming a real thing. We're not slowing down. You see, I'm glad you're here. Because we, we're kind of wrapping up this series that we've been doing since we kind of the year started called Fully Charged. And the idea of this whole series was, could we create some rhythms in our life that, yes, we would work and we'd be productive, but we would respect time off, rest. The old word from the Old Testament is Sabbath, the idea of ceasing. And, and the hope of this series is that you would begin to build some guardrails in your life that you could rest that you could take a break, that you could unplug, and really, as we're going to get into this today, create space for God and you to do some business regularly. And that's been the hope of this series. Let's uh, pray. And today we're going to talk about downtime in a digital world. Let's pray together. Father, you're so good to us. You're amazing. Father, speak by the power of your Holy Spirit. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Father, may we not leave this place without being changed by your Spirit. Lord, speak on this idea of rest, and help us to embrace that in honor of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now we know, just a quick review, we know in Scripture, early on in the Bible, you have you know, the Old Testament part of the Bible, the New Testament part. We call it the Bible, but it's actually more of a library of about 66 different books. Many of them are letters. So in this library, this collection of God's Word to us, the Scriptures, in the beginning, from the very beginning, we have God setting a rhythm of creation. And you remember that God, you know, created the world in, in different stages, right? We got the, we call them days, but we're not sure if it's 24-hour periods. We have no idea. But he created in a rhythm. And then when he got to the sixth day, he, he looked back at all the work. And what did he say? It is good, right? It's good. And then on the seventh day, or what later we would call Saturday, I guess, was the day of rest, ceasing. And God looked back on the work and said, it's good, We're going to take a break. In the rhythm of creation, that was set at the beginning that there would be time for no work. And we talked about that, right? You know, did God need a break? You know, was he tired, wiped out? No, no. He was setting something of a precedent for his creation, that there would be a downtime. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But there was downtime. And I love how this, and this is something that I've been thinking about. 
Look, Sabbath was a celebration of what? Six days of work. Yeah, good work, right? It was good. Call it good. So, so Sabbath works when you've been working. Sabbath don't work if you ain't been working. You know what I'm saying? So that's an important thing. We've been talking about in this series. I, I've had a couple of people give me feedback on this. Like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you kind of a dog? You know, aren't people taking enough breaks as it is? Okay, I, I get that. But so, yeah, it's, it, look, Sabbath don't work if you haven't been working. But God celebrated those six days and created a day. This was a day we're going to cease doing stuff. Nada. Stop. That was the idea there. And we learned out later that when, 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 when we had the nation of Israel, you know, God's people, it was baked into their way of life, even as God's people. You know, most of the Old Testament part is about the nation of Israel, God's people. And baked into their, their law and the, the rhythm of life, uh, they would have these Sabbath days. In fact, it was even codified in, you know, God's top ten. You, you know what I'm talking about? Exodus 20, we got the Ten Commandments, right? God's top ten. Some big things in there, you know, like the important stuff, like don't murder people. That's a good one. I, I appreciate that one. But we looked at that list, right? And, and that list has a number of big things. You know, make sure God's, he's, he's the only one that you worship. That's, that's important. But we have these ten. And we noticed a few weeks ago that it didn't take long before number four came about. And what was number four? Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath holy. That comes before what? On the list. Murder. Adultery. Stealing stuff. Now, those are all very important things to avoid. I mean, those, you know, we're not making a judgment call here what's most important. But it is interesting that that was early on. So the nation of Israel, that was a big deal. In fact, if you violated the Sabbath, we looked at that a little bit in Exodus 31. Actually, I stopped the, I stopped the, the, uh, the screen before we got to the further verses of Exodus 31. But just look at Exodus 31. It, it was dire consequences if you, you didn't keep the Sabbath. It was important enough that the people had to, to make sure they, they, they honored this. But we didn't even get into other things. Do you know that the nation of Israel, not only the, you know, the one day of the week that was important, but they had feasts and festivals, and they had these parties regularly throughout the year, and those were also moments, in addition to the one day of the week, that they would, they would not work, they would celebrate, they would eat together. So, so baked into God's people were all these moments of stopping. And then... This is kind of something from agriculture, which I think would be radical to try now. In Israel, you were supposed to on the seventh year. Does anybody know what they were supposed to do on the seventh year? Let, let the, the ground, kind of the field, kind of rest a little bit. And so if, if there were sojourners or people that were, you know, kind of hungry and needed some help, so that they, they, they could go pick from that field, but they weren't going to produce that that year. Now, in farming, you know, they, they still kind of do some of that. In fact, I read an article recently about the South. And, uh, you know, Jack and I lived in, in the South for a while. They're, they're, they didn't do this well in the South. And in fact, there, there were big cash crops that were happening in the South. You know, prior to the Civil War, you had tobacco and you had cotton. And those are very taxing on the soil. And there's parts of those places in Tennessee that you really can't grow much anymore because they didn't respect stopping and re-nourishing and resting the land. It's actually pretty important. In Israel, that was part of their deal. We hadn't even gotten to the big one that I can't wait to share with you if you've never heard of it. There's something called the year of Jubilee. Who's heard of the year of Jubilee? Anybody? Now, what is that? What did you do on the year of Jubilee? Debts cancel. Like land was returned. I mean, 
This was a big moment baked into every basically 50 years, right? Can you imagine how that phone call would go? If you call up you, Wells Fargo or whatever your bank is, hey, I uh, just want to let you know that I'm going to declare this year my year of Jubilee. And therefore, the mortgage, I think you need to take care of that. Bye-bye. How would that, how would that play out? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? You know, all debts canceled. So what's my point? It was baked in to how the nation was supposed to work. And, and it was important enough that there was laws around it. Now, I realize that this is hard for us to get our minds around because now stores are open all the time. Things are 24-7. We can shop all the time. Devices going all crazy. We haven't, we haven't really understood the importance of this rhythm that was baked into the nation of Israel. God wanted humanity to respect the rest. That was our point in week one. He wanted humanity to respect it and, and help us understand this is a universal thing. That's why you need to sleep. That's why you need to rest and stop because you just are wired to need that and it makes the productive days even more productive because you've taken time to stop. And we talked about how Jesus modeled a healthy rhythm of his life. I mean, there are moments when Jesus' ministry was going crazy. People were excited. He got a big entourage following him and every once in a while, Jesus would just like disappear and be up on a mountaintop praying. And his disciples would, where were you? What's going on? He's like, I wanted to go somewhere else. You know, it's like, you're, you're, you're killing me, Jesus, because we had this big, you know, things are happening. We got this momentum now. It's going viral. And he would take time. I mean, there's times he fell asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. He just falls asleep. You know? I don't know. Is that nar- narcolepsy? I don't know. You ever met anybody like that that could fall asleep on a dime? Okay. Those people. Uh, but uh, Jesus modeled this. And I like how this is an interaction that's kind of interesting. Maybe, maybe kind of surprising, but I think this is helpful. If you have a device, go to Luke chapter 10. One of my favorite stories here, because there's there's so much you can unpack, and I realize we can't unpack it all in a half hour, but Luke chapter 10, we have this, and I've got it up here on screen in the message form, and the message form is uh, done by Eugene Peterson, kind of in more of a conversational sort of way to paraphrase some of the scriptures, and I think it's it's helpful in the the realm of of how we're studying here, but in in, uh, chapter 10, let, let me just read it down here. They continued their travel. Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master. This is Jesus. Hanging on every word he said. Hold on a second. Just pause. The king of the universe, the savior of the world, has come over to your house for tea and crumpets. And can you imagine that? Think about this. You would drop everything. You know, you would leave the lawn half mowed. You would, you would run in. You'd get the coffee going. You'd, you'd want to sit and listen to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So that's what's happening here in the story. But, hold on. But Martha, her sister, was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. And later she stepped in. She just couldn't stand it anymore. You ever seen that passive-aggressive thing in a family situation? You grumble and hit the, hit the you know, dishes a little harder. I could see Martha doing that, you know, like dropping it. So, I'm, okay, that's, I'm adding that. But it's not a thus saith the Lord on that one, okay? But she's in there. Martha is just had it. 
<laughs> and she comes barging in. And, uh, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? I think that's a bit dramatic. You know what I'm saying? She's abandoned the Yeah. You just have to read it that way sometimes. Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, if I could paraphrase that, it'd be, bless your heart, Martha. You know what I'm saying? Not always a good thing. Bless your heart, Martha. Uh, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. You know, this, this demonstrates a number of things. But, but the number one thing I think you draw out of this is the priorities here. I mean, think about this. God comes to your house He's in your living room, and you decide the dishes just have to be done right now. I mean, it sounds silly, right? I mean, of course we wouldn't do that. You know? I mean, he could create new dishes, really. I mean, <clears throat> you wave his hand, and they're already clean. Jesus would be saying, well, someday there's going to be these things called dishwashers. It's automatic. He could have done that. But God is in your living room. But your priorities say... I got to get this stuff done. I got to get that to-do list done. I got to do this. And so we keep going and keep going and we miss what God wants to tell us. Think about that in your life for a second. I mean, some of us will kind of have some arrogance when we read the Bible and we'll read this story and, oh, Martha, you're so dumb or, you know, you just don't know what's going on. No, I think she's speaking to every one of us right now because some of us especially have a hard time with this. Some of us are spreadsheet, hard-driving people. And we feel like unless we get stuff accomplished, we're worthless. I realize that's not a good, healthy thing, but some of us, I'm wired that way. If I don't get stuff done, I feel like I'm, I'm less of a person. It's so it's hard for some of us to be able to embrace what's happening here. But I never want to be guilty of missing what God wanted to tell me because I've just been too busy. And that's the heart of this right here. The dishes can wait. Now, it's, it's not like the dishes are bad. It's not, like, it's not like Jesus is scolding her. Do you see Jesus scolding her at all? He doesn't demean her. He doesn't shame her. But he's saying, look, there's some priorities here, Martha. I'm here. You know, I can imagine, just hold on with me, okay? I can imagine Jesus going back in the kitchen. Hey, Martha, let's talk, okay? Your dishes, your food was great. I love that chicken tartare, whatever it was she cooked. I don't know. You know, love that. It was great. And, and I love that you want to, you're, you're, you're so, you want to help. And you, you're doing great work. But I'm not going to be here forever. My time is short, Mary, Martha. And, and, and I've got some things I want to tell you before, before I go. And so your dishes, that's good. And that's, that's good work. We don't want to shame that. But I'm only going to be here for a little bit of time. And, and let's have this conversation. I don't know if that's how what happened, Right? following him, following her into the kitchen there. But, but he's telling her, hey, I'm only here for a short time. Priorities. We struggle with priorities, don't we? We let the tyranny of the urgent take us off track of the big important stuff. Martha was taken off track. You see, Jesus is confirming here, we need to prioritize maybe a little different than we have. Maybe that's your thing this year. You need to prioritize time with the Lord, time away, time for rest, actually give God space in your life to speak to you so that you don't miss it. So that if God's in your front room, 
You're not too busy folding clothes to go talk to him. We do this. We don't, don't we do this? God's wanting to tell us something, but we're just too busy. We're not listening. What is, has, has, has there been some messages that God wanted to get to you? And no, no I've got to get this to-do list done. I'll get to you later, Lord. I mean, if Jesus were here, would we ever do that? But we do that all the time. Priorities. Jesus understood that. Washing, G, washing, washing dishes instead of spending time with Jesus. He's telling us something here, and that is so important. Guard your priorities. Guard the time. We're told in other places in Scripture that redeem the time. You know, the days are evil. We need to, we need to take every moment, and it's precious. You know, seize the day, or whatever, carpe diem, whatever that phrase was. But he's telling us very carefully, guard that time. And that's, that's my only point today. This is the giveaway right here. Guard your rest. Guard it. No one else is going to do it for you. You are the one that drives this thing. You're going to give God time. It may mean that your big takeaway from this whole series is you're going to put those vacation days on the calendar. You're going to put your downtime on the calendar. Some of you heard me speak about the Trappist Abbey, and that's over near Lafayette. And it's a place I like to return to often. I've got another couple days coming up here where I'm just going to go there. I'm going to fast and pray and really do, do no, nothing but listen to the Lord. And uh, I have to have that in my regular rhythm. And I do that a couple times a year. And uh, it helps me to create space for the Lord. But I have to be intentional about it. Because if I don't, another thing will come up. Somebody needs this. Somebody needs that. I've got to put it on. And that's, that's important time. And I'm not going to make an excuse for that. Some of you feel like you've got to make an excuse if you have a day off. Like you feel bad that you have a day off. Nope. Put it in your calendar. I'm busy that day. You don't need to tell them why. Even if your goal that day is to sit at the beach and stare at the ocean all day. You don't need to make an excuse about it. Prioritizing that time in your life. Guard your rest. It makes a big deal. Now I'm going to get some practical stuff here, and you can take it or leave it. You know, we know that God created us for rest. He, he created the rhythm of creation for rest. He wanted us to prioritize rest, to guard rest. Again, rest happens when you've done good work, and now you can celebrate that. So here's a couple things. These are not thus saith the Lord's, okay? These are, not, these are things that have helped me. Maybe some pro tips, some best practices that I've had to kind of work on in my life that have helped me to, you know, guard rest. And here they are. Again, these are, these are not, you know, Bible commandments, thus say you must do. These are things that have helped me, okay? So just be, be, be aware of that. Here's the first one, and this is one I've, I've had to learn. It's managing my time and my energy wisely. Managing my energy wisely. Do you know that there's certain times of day that you're, you're going to be more sharp. There's certain times of the day that you're going to be able to do different kind of work. Many of us, we get to about halfway through the day or the afternoon and we start to feel sluggish. Do you know that there's even in the medical community, they just know there's certain times where surgeons aren't as, as sharp. And so maybe you even think about how, you know, a, a, a pilot flying a plane, all of those things, there are times where we are better at things and we're not as good at things. And so learning the, the, the energy. And, and, and so maybe in the morning, say if you're wired that way, that's when you plan uh, the budget or the retirement thing or your trip, not later in the afternoon when you're feeling sluggish. So I've learned that. That helps me to work when I, the, the best times that I work and then to not, you know, to do other things when I'm not as sharp. Here's number two, and this is a, this is a big one. Yes means no. Saying no to say yes. Let me explain this a little bit. 
When you say yes to everything that comes across, you end up becoming very busy and some of us even frustrated because we're running from thing to thing because we keep saying yes, yes, I'll do this, yes, I'll be there. The problem is when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else because you physically aren't going to be able to do it. Does that make sense? So now if you say no to something, that means you've created now the space to say yes to something. Does that, does that make sense? So we say using our no's and yeses carefully because we only have so much energy and time of the day. We all have 24 hours. We're not totally at our best at all 24 hours. We have, we have to be careful about where we're saying yes and no to. See, you, you can't say yes to everything and then at the end of the day sit there and grumble and be frustrated because everybody else dictated your day. That's on you because you said yes the whole time, right? Now, I realize sometimes for some of us, we are, some of us are people pleasers. No feels like a, a bad word. Anybody want to be brave enough to say I'm kind of a people pleaser? Okay, all right. A few of us are. We'll, we'll form a support group later. I get that. But listen, you, 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 can't, you can't be everywhere and, and all the time doing things. You know what happens in, in ministry, and I've seen this in nonprofits and the church world, sometimes ministry leaders will get into this trap. And they get bitter and they quit. So saying no to something means you can say yes to the important things. There are going to be lots of things we could do in a given day or a given week or a given year, but we only have so much time. So if you say yes to everything, you, you maybe you're going to really miss out on the most important things. So saying yes to say, uh, to say no, saying no to say yes. Boundaries is number three. Now, there's a book out there called Boundaries. I highly recommend it if you've never read it. But the point here is, this has helped me in my life, that I've realized that there's only things that I can own. See, we, we move through life, and this is hard for families. Adults make decisions. And if someone makes a decision, that's on them. I know this is hard. This is going to sound harsh. But there's only th- we can only own what's ours to own. You know, I see people get into this trap all the time, especially with families. You know, they feel like they've got to rescue someone all the time. Or they've got to, they got to somehow be the Messiah. You know, that never works, by the way. Sometimes we have to realize that people are going to make decisions and they need to own those consequences. I know that sounds harsh. That sounds like tough love from Dobson back in the day. But sometimes people are going to make choices and we can pray for them. And, and, and if they ask us, we might say, well, you might consider this but it's not on you. This is very, very important. You can only own what is yours to own. Unplug it. This is my fourth one. This has helped me. When Jackie and I sit down to dinner, we try not to have our phones handy. We try to actually look at each other. I make this joke often, but I think it's still true. I feel like I could go to the high school right now. Well, not right now because it's Sunday. But I feel like on the day of the week... I could go to Dallas High School with the running chainsaw and nobody would look up. Can I get a witness? Shut it off. Turn it off. Unplug. Actually look at the other person. It's weird how, you know, you see people sometimes in a restaurant or whatever and they're having this, like, they're paying for this meal. And what are they doing? It's weird. In fact, they're saying now that they're finding with, with younger people, 
This prevents you from conversation, and they do it intentionally. Like if it's uncomfortable or I don't want to talk to you, they're doing this. And so it's become almost a crutch, crazy enough. Look, I realize there's going to be times you don't want to talk to people. I get that, right? Introverts unite, okay? There's going to be times we don't want to have a conversation, maybe many times. But sometimes we just need to unplug, you know? And that helps you sleep, by the way, too. Here's the last one. Rediscover the contemplative life. And this is a weird one, I know. But build some time in your life for silence. That's why I go to the Trappist Abbey. They don't talk. You can try to get the monks to talk, but they don't want to talk. The only monk that talks up there is like the guy who works at the bookstore. So that's kind of fun. They walk around, they just, they don't talk. And it's refreshing. Like there's no noise. You know what doesn't work up there either? Tell me. Cell phone doesn't work. That helps me. Cell phone's off. I can't even talk to you right now. My cell phone does not work. Contemplative life means you're going to pull away not necessarily go to a monastery. I'm not saying that. Uh, I do that every once It's good for me. But taking time, go to the beach. Taking time where you're just going to be alone with your thought. Let God speak to you. We need to give God space, as I said at the beginning, to speak to us. And if we're so busy and noisy all the time, we're never going to hear that. So rediscover the contemplative life. Maybe that's a retreat for you in nature. You know, who likes to hike in here? I'm kind of a fan of hiking. You know, basket salute's pretty, pretty easy. I've done a lot of prayer walking around that little circle. Not as fun when it's raining because it's muddy. You know what I'm talking about. But that's a good place to just spend some time in prayer, contemplative. Listen to what a 14th century, this is, you're glad you came today. Now we're going to listen to a, a guy that lived in like the 14th century, Thomas Kempis. He said this. Can you believe this? Okay, hold on. Be faithful to your secret place and it will become your closest friend and bring you much comfort. In silence and stillness, a devout person grows spiritually and learns the hidden things of the Bible. Tears shed there bring cleansing. God draws near to the one who withdraws for a while. It is, listen to this, it is better for you to look after yourself in this way in, in, in private than perform wonders in public while neglecting your soul. This is like soul food, folks. Time quiet, away from distraction, I do believe God will speak. May not every time, but you've created space, you know? You wake up in the middle of the night. Maybe, maybe the first thing on your mind, other than just grumbling about the fact that you're up at 3 a.m., maybe it could be, all right, God, I'm finally, like, quiet enough. What are you trying to tell me? Sometimes when I enter into a time of prayer, I try to get myself and shut off the distractions by saying the Jesus prayer. Some of you have heard me say this. This is a centering prayer. I will often say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it helps center me. It reminds me who I am. reminds me who the Savior is. It helps center me and focus me. All right, here's a couple other things here. And as we close, you know, I'm a nerd, so I like to look at, you know, different news sources, different magazines that talk about rest. There was a couple of articles in Prevention Magazine a few years ago that talked about the idea of downtime and that sort of thing. And, and one of the things that I loved about what they were offering was deep breathing. Now, I've heard other people talk about deep breathing, but it's actually something that helps, whether in your prayer life or even just kind of like to quiet you down. Some of you deal with anxiety a lot. And they're saying that deep breathing can help even with anxiety. Now, I realize there are other treatments for it, 
but deep breathing where you're actually, you fill that diaphragm up and you let it out. Deep breathing has been something they found like physically actually works and it can even kind of help with anxiety. So that was one thing that I read out of there. I thought that was pretty good. There's another guy, Tom Rath, who writes for Gallup. I think they do a lot of like surveys and such as. And, uh, and he, they wrote this book called uh, Are You Fully Charged? He did. And, and he, here's what, a couple things that I liked what he said. He said, you know, instead of pursuing happiness, how about you pursue meaning? Instead of just pursuing the next thing to make you happy temporarily, he's saying, why don't you pursue meaning? You know what I mean? Where, where you've actually, your time is, is mattered to someone else. You're pursuing meaning, not just the next device you can buy or the next purchase or something else to make you happy. What if your life had meaning? And why don't you pursue meaning? I like this too. And this, I'm skipping here. But one of the things that I love that was in this article in his book, uh, he even said this. Live investing in relationships investing in relationships. This has become harder and harder now with the devices and all those things. And, 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 and Facebook friends are fine, but they're not really your friends. This is face-to-face time with people, investing in relationships. Now, again, you don't need 100 relationships, okay? Because introverts just like freak out when I say something like that. But you need a few, okay? I love introverts. Jackie's an introvert, so I love introverts. But I realize that we need investment in relationship. And it's harder, harder. It's not just going to happen. Okay, let's just say that right now. Those things are not just going to happen. Sometimes people will come to church and say, well, I didn't develop a huge bunch of friendships. Well, who did you call? Who did you have coffee with? Well, nobody. But nobody. Listen, it takes intentionality. Like, when you look around this room, there are plenty of people who eat lunch. Statistically, I don't know. I'm not a science wizard or nothing. People here drink coffee. You can have an appointment with them and just have coffee. You don't need an agenda. Look, invest in relationships. I really think that's a big one. Forbes magazine, that's a financial magazine, but they even weighed in on this. Listen to this real quick. The, the, the article said, hey, consider investing in yourself every day. You know, listening to a podcast that's uplifting, listening to, to worship music. Uh, another one is, how about making time in your day for music and for art? How many of you have gone to an art gallery? How many have done it recently? Yeah, why don't we do that more often? You know, just go to an art gallery and see what's going on. Like, be moved by art and beauty and nature. See, we've been talking about this, this whole series, about trying to develop rhythms to help us, even in our crazy tech-oriented world, that we can actually stop and rest, and we need to be reminded of it all the time. There's a term they use in marketing called white space. Anybody ever heard the term white space? It's marketing and design. And basically what that is, is when they're developing an ad or even like a TV spot, what they want to do is not confuse you by all this kind of chatter on the page or on the screen. What they want to do is focus. So like if you're looking at a print ad, white space space would mean that you have one kind of central message and you've left room. You've left room on the page. You don't have a bunch of text there. You have room on the page. We have to be intentional about the white space in our lives. We need to give God space to speak to us. And that means developing rhythms weekly, monthly, yearly that we're pulling away, that we're stopping. We got it on our calendar, and we're going to give God time to speak, and we're going to close our mouth when we have those times.
to hear what he's got to tell us. Here's the three big takeaways from the series. The first one was respect rest. Respect it. Don't diss on it. Don't make excuses for it. Respect rest. You've worked hard and you rest. That was week one. Week two was make rest a priority in your life. Put it on the calendar. Don't make an excuse for it. Make it a priority. And today was guard your rest because it's so important. And it honors Jesus. One day Jesus is going to come back, y'all. One day he's going to come back. And when he was here in his ministry, he said, you know what? If anybody, any of you want to have true rest, you got to come to me. Jesus said, if you want true rest, you got to come to me both now and the not yet. And coming to Jesus, he says, look, you're burdened and heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. So I just want to say that before we, before we close up. If, if some of you in this room have never come to Jesus, you've never embraced that rest, you could do that today. What a great thing to do. 2020, brand new year. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you could do that today. He makes it very easy. We believe that God is who he says he is. We believe in what Jesus did for us. We repent of our sin. We confess that he is Lord. We're baptized into Christ, and we begin living as a living sacrifice for Jesus. That's all available today if you've never done that, because in Christ alone is true rest. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We recognize that this is a big subject for a busy time in our world. Father, help each of us to develop healthy rhythms for rest. Father, help us to make it uh, on the calendar, to to prioritize it so that we know that you are honoring that time, that we would be fully recharged and about the work that you've called us to. So Lord, empower us for that. Empower everybody in this room to be able to do that. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. In the next few moments, the